You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gabriella, how are you doing? Tired. How are you? Fucking beat. What's up, people? Welcome to a very tired edition of Too Much Exposition. <laughs> it's me, Brendan, being accompanied by the the equally as tired Gabriella Day. <laughs> but usually, my voice is deeper than yours on Sunday morning. But I feel yep. like yours is Sunday yours morning. Is probably... it is, it's four in the afternoon on the uh, East well, Coast. Oh shit! It's one p.m. over it's, here. It's it is not, not the morning, the morning at all. Oh fuck! <laughs> Good for okay, we're us. We're off but, to a really bad start. But I'm drinking coffee out of my brand new Drama Bookshop coffee mug. Wow, Brendan, where did you buy your Drama Bookshop coffee mug? I bought this Drama Bookshop coffee mug at the Drama Bookshop in New York City. Wow, tell us more. They had Lin-Manuel Miranda and Christopher Jackson pens. Like pins, like fur jackets. Oh, not pens. I thought you not meant pens, pens, like for like signing I realized the Declaration as soon as of Independence I with. Signing the Constitutions. <laughs> No, but, you know, went to New York to finally uh, just see what was going on. I feel confident enough now with, you know, with the vaccinations and everything that Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit safer than it did when I first moved to Philly. And, man, people were just out in force. And it was the last weekend of Pride, which was very exciting. Oh, happy Pride, New York. I've never seen so many people just looking in love. And then, I, and then I turned the wrong corner and uh, I heard a loud crowd and I was like, oh, cool. Maybe there's someone famous down there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of anti-vaxxers outside of Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Okay. So what happened? What's funny is that I opened Twitter this morning and it was like, protesters at Springsteen. And then you messaged me on Discord and was like, oh, I saw some, I saw some protesters. We need to talk about it. And I like... What? What actually happened here? I'm I don't so... know. It was it was just the weirdest venue for it was just a bunch of people holding like signs against the vaccine, which I mean, you know, make your own educated decision on it. <laughs> um but mm-hmm. they were just holding up signs of like obvious like QAnon conspiracies. 
like this person died from the vaccine and it's got a picture on oh. it. And I'm like, would you like us to hold up 600,000 signs for people who died from COVID? Um, <laughs> right? Very, yes. But I, I think that, I don't know, maybe Springsteen on Broadway, like you could only get in if you had a vaccine. And so they were upset that they couldn't go watch Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, which I mean, yeah, that's that's enough to get me out on on the picket line. Wowza! Compared to all the other things we've uh, we've, I mean, I guess I've spent a lot of COVID complaining about losing theater, not complaining, right. but being sad about losing theater. So I suppose I can understand the general sentiment. But if you really want to well, see Springsteen on Broadway, sorry, well, they were just they were holding up signs that said like segregation is bad and stuff. Segregation is immoral. Just Jeez. because they couldn't get in because they didn't have the vaccine. Because Springsteen on Broadway oh. wanted to keep people... Yeah. They were comparing getting... Like, not being able to get in to see Bruce Springsteen to segregation. Oh, my. Totally on the same level. Oh, my God. Especially considering what, like, two months ago... Broadway actually marched and actually protested yeah. for racial equality. That right. is just something else. Okay, well, yep. let's no longer give those people a platform. Sorry you had to see them. But it's kind of... I don't think I realized how hard New York got hit by COVID. And, like, just... Uh, like, everything was closed. Mm -hmm. I know there was... My my favorite diner was the Theater Row Diner, and that was the first place that I walked to. Because I'm like, I, I it's a tradition. I always go to the Theater Row Diner. Right. It's right next to Playwright Horizons, and I got there, and then I was just met with a big four lease sign on mm -hmm. the window. Yeah. And so then I tried going to different places, and same thing, just a bunch of four lease windows. But is it like that in Philly? I. Or do you think, not get out much? <laughs> I don't get out much. Uh, Center City is still, you know, it's hit or miss down in Center City in Philly. But it was cool to see the lights on Broadway again. Mm -hmm. Got a free Krispy Kreme donut. Hey, there you go. So that was a win. So the whole trip was worth it for the one Krispy Just Kreme that, donut. That crispy, for the Krispy Kreme donut, and I got a really great shot down Schubert Alley where this guy... <laughs> There was one of the people on the bicycles who, like, the carriage bicycles, you know, mm -hmm. like, take people around town. And I think he really just wanted to get on camera. And so he, like, tried to cut through to get into my shot, which oh, I was God. like, okay, I'm game for it. And you just see the guy, like, his bike comes out and then it just stops because he gets stuck on a pole. And you just, oh. and it just. <laughs> You hear the people in the carriage go, you're going to pop a tire, man. And then he's trying to back it out, and it's all on film. And then, it, like, office-style zooms happen with the camera. I'm going to have to post it on Patreon because that was my favorite clip of the night. I kept re-watching it because it's just so out of – it's, like, a really nice shot of the Schubert Alley and then just a guy's face on a bicycle, is it? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. But it, all in all, really nice trip. Today, we want to have a conversation about education um, in theater or theater education, and this will probably be the first of a series that will be ongoing slowly. Quick outline, right? We both went to high school, graduated high school, 
you went straight to university to study theater and marketing right after high school. I went to community college and really hated it. And I stopped going to school for four and a half years, decided I hated working full time, decided to go back to school to study theater. So I'm currently in school. You are graduated. I am 24 years old. You are 25 years old. Yep. Yep. The big 25 is treating you really bad. So that's the <laughs> right. That's the basic building blocks. There's a lot more I want to talk about, but because you have already been through it and I'm going through it in a very interesting way, um, I've learned a lot and have a lot of thoughts. And there's a lot of other things that I wish I had known going into it. So high school, how involved were you with theater in your high school, Brendan? And you lived in Utah, yeah, just for in, reference for the that, people. Lived in that small, in a really small town in Utah that was like 5,000 people. And it was mm-hmm. it was one of those high schools where you know it's just it's football, football, football. That's all there is to it. Football, yeah. The principal at my high school, if there was no award to be won, he didn't care. So yeah, theater got absolute fucking bub kiss, which was yep. super fun. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the the struggle of funding arts in schools because it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe sports aren't for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe. I did, uh, Maybe kids have been forced to run around and throw balls their entire lives, and it brings them serious unhappiness and anxiety. Right. Why are we forcing them right. to do that when some kids just want to, like, build sets for the theater play, and right. that's what makes them happy? Yeah, some kids just want <laughs> to go out on stage with a giant fake rubber chicken and act like a fool for a couple hours. Like, let us that sounds that. A, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do when I grow up. Hey, um, is that not what we're doing, essentially? God, basically. But, you know, when it came to, to the theater, not a lot of people did acting or stuff like that at at my school. Mm-hmm. But I think our class was a little weird in the way that we were very, very much geared towards being more arts-driven. And it was cool because since the since the school was so small, you could have people who played football who would come over and do the plays. So That's nice. Like high, like a high classic, a classic Troy Bolton is what yeah, I'm really, hearing. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that was like what that was my best friend Layton. He would do uh, basketball and the plays and football, and he like nice dislocated his shoulder. He couldn't sing though. And I, I always told him, <laughs> bless yeah. his heart. Um, bless him. Because I couldn't sing either. None of us could sing. It was high school. It was high school. Yeah. Um, but I did all the competitions. I was drama club president two years in a row. <laughs> the first one elected as a junior. I wow. Peaked. I peaked in Sounds, high school. You definitely yeah. did peak in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have like formal training or anything. My training came from a couple books that I bought at Barnes and Noble where I'm like, whoa, there's actually a craft to this. And it's not just go out on stage and be loud. So do you mean a craft to acting? Right. That there's a lot mm-hmm. more to it, like given circumstances and uh, objectives and obstacles, all of that fun mm-hmm. technical stuff. I really started playing around with that my senior year of high school when I bought the the power of the actor. By who? Uh, Ivana Chubuck, I think is how you say her okay. last name. Yeah. All right. On sale now at the Drama Bookshop. 
I, I subscribe more to Uta Hagen, but to each their own. What was your high school experience like with theater? Um, so my high school was much bigger than yours. Um, I mean, my each class, right, freshman to senior, there were like multiple hundreds of students. I couldn't say how many because I don't know. And theater, we had like a solid little theater in our high school. We'd had our same drama professor for 33 years. She was there when the school opened and she had built the theater program from the ground up, which was really cool. Um, I got really involved in theater my sophomore year because I joined the theater class and I was terrified because I joined it since theater was something I had always kind of tangentially done, but acting was not my jam. So it was like first day of theater class, sophomore in high school. And they're like, okay, three weeks, you're doing your monologue. And I was like, uh, I'm really more of a behind the scenes kind of gal. I don't, please God, dear, no, I don't want to do this. Um, and from there, yeah, I stayed super, super, super involved in our theater program. I did a lot of assistant directing. I did a lot of stage managing. I did sound design. I got a very good, we worked with a professional set designer which was really, really nice because he taught us uh, how to do a lot of things properly. And if like, if you built something and it was slightly incorrect, you had to take it apart and put it back together again. Like you were working in wow. a real theater. So we would spend when we were doing a show, right. And we would do a show in the fall and the spring, we would spend every weekend for months at school building sets. Um, and when I would assistant direct, I really respected our teacher because she would run the first round of rehearsals and then for the second run through, I got to be in charge, which I always really liked because I actually had some agency, which was really nice. Um, so yeah, super duper involved in theater in high school. Um, I got involved, um, I guess, spoiler alert, later on we're talking about the La Jolla Playhouse. Um, I grew up in San Diego, right? Um, and so I volunteered and interned at the Tony Award-winning La Jolla Playhouse. Um, so I got to be involved with them a lot in high school as well. So it was really, really nice to be heavily involved in like a very wonderful, successful regional theater and be involved in high school. So theater was very much um, my everything for a while. But when I decided to go to school... I chose to not study theater. I was studying hospitality, which was so dumb. <laughs> um, I mean, I did work in hotels for a long time, but it's really not something you need a degree for. I just didn't know what else to do. What does a hospitality and, degree even look like? I mean, listen, there's some schools like in California, um, Cal Poly um, Pomona has a really, really good hospitality program because they have like a working hotel attached to the school and it's run by students, which is really cool. So you, the hospital, I mean, if you want to be like upper management for a hotel or hotel chains, sure, get a hospitality degree. But I thought that's what I wanted and it was not what I wanted. You could have been Mr. Mosby at the Tipton Hotel. I could have been Mr. Mosby. I sure could have. Um, but I saw, what's interesting is that because I spent so many hours at the Playhouse, every day while I was still in high school. I really loved it, but I was also super duper burnt out. So I was like 17, 18, like burnt out from school, burnt out from my quote unquote job. And I was obviously also working real jobs that paid me money since most of my work at the Playhouse was unpaid. Um, and I looked at all these people working in theater 
And I wasn't sure that I wanted that. And I got to go to a TCG theater conference one year and went to this panel. And this guy said, if you can wake up every single day and be happy doing something that isn't this, do that. Don't put yourself through this if you don't have to. And that's like a vaguely pessimistic way to look at it, right? But it's also pretty common advice. (laughs) He just happened to be the person who said it to me at that period in my life. And that was enough for me to just quit. And I stopped doing any theater at all for like five years because I was exhausted and I didn't think it's what I wanted. And it was true. Like I wanted to stage manage and do all of these other things. And I looked at the lives of professional stage managers who on good weeks were working like 70 hour weeks, right? Like once you're out of tech, you're working 70 hours and that's a nice break. Right. And I thought, I I don't want that. And so um, I quit and I chose to not study it and I chose to focus on work instead. But you did something different. Right. Because, well, for me, it was, uh, you know, I had been doing acting, what, going back to when I was like three is when I started pretty much. (laughs) See, that's totally, see, I always danced as a kid, but like uh acting was just not my jam. It just never appealed to me then like it does now. It It would be like in kindergarten. I remember I would gather all of my friends up and I had known them for probably what, like a week. I would just say, all right, guys, I'm putting on a show. And then I would just act on the on the kindergarten playground on because we, we had one of those play sets and it was just mm-hmm. perfect for a little stage. And so I'd always do that. We did, like, we did like a fake reality show in third grade where it was The Bachelor and we played it every <laughs> and I made like a huge dramatic entrance. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> so that Amazing. was so acting was just something that uh, especially just living in a small town, you really find that you fall into these labels of who you who the town expects you to be as a person. So mm-hmm. like like with my best friend Layton, he was really athletic and his whole family was athletic. So boom, always going to be put into the jock. Uh, You're just my friend, tropifying actual right, people. Right. My friend Trayton, uh, crazy country redneck, <laughs> like always like drove <laughs> trucks, uh, listened to really hardcore rock. Uh, and that was boom, set there. And mm-hmm. then for me, it was Brendan has always been... Uh, has always been interested in, like, I made my first movie when I was, like, in second grade. Uh, mm-hmm. Super Brendan and Super Garrett. And that one, we still, we still have the VHS <laughs> copy of it. So um, <laughs> I just watched it last, last week, and it's really great, great storytelling. You know, it kind of reaches the climax too quick, and then it resolves with no clear, real resolution. But uh, it was a pretty good first attempt. There you are in the third grade. Give yourself a small... uh... Right. There's a scene where I was very dedicated to getting this one scene done where uh, it was for like a DJ radio set. And I I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And they were... And they were like, Brendan, do you you need to go to the bathroom? And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. We can keep going. And so you see on screen me just like holding my junk and just like swaying side to side as as we're trying to get to the end of this scene. It's really bad. So anyway, that's just something that always followed with me. And then when we get to college, I auditioned for the acting program at Utah State, which they had just completely revamped the the project. They had brought in like really, really well regarded in the industry theater professionals. And they were getting a lot more strict with who they were letting in because they wanted to have one of the top acting mm-hmm. uh, 
like conservatory style, which is yeah. where it's just you're just always acting. But they wanted to take mm -hmm. that conservatory style and then mix it in with a public university. Mm -hmm. So you were doing conservatory, which usually that's just a standalone thing. And you're literally going all day acting mm -hmm. and then you don't have to worry about like schoolwork. So mm -hmm. then you add in that schoolwork on top of it. And it was just um, they auditioned like 2000 kids and they only accepted six guys and six girls. And I was like, this is like, I'm probably not going to get into this. Yeah, that's and, that's insane. Yeah. And then lo and behold, lo and behold, they gave me a call back and they said, hey, we'd love to have you here. <laughs> and so. Wow. And so that was like the first real. It, it went from basically like doing Shel Silverstein in high school, like just make a uh -huh. scene to the Shel Silverstein poem to, OK, we're going to be going through the first three chapters of Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen. I'm like, I don't know uh, who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so is was Utah State the only university you applied to? Did you look at other schools, audition for other schools? Um, I really wanted to get into uh, SUU because they have the Utah Shakespeare Festival connected What is it. SUU? That's Southern Utah University. Very okay. creative name. <laughs> Universities are really known for the cre their right. creative name. <laughs> right. But that one, it's it's got the Utah Shakespeare Festival connected to it, which like – Mm -hmm. All great stage actors go through Utah Shakes at some point right. in their life. Like when I tell uh, people that Utah has um, good theater because of the Shakespeare Festival, everyone's dumbfounded, and I'm like, really? you don't know about the Utah Shakespeare, Utah Festival? Shakespeare Festival? Like, what a loser! <laughs> they like got their own little Globe Theater down there. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. But like, I I know there was one season where my one of my professors, Leslie, it was the same season that I think Patrick Page was there <laughs> for yeah. for something, but. Yeah, so SUU is on the list. Uh, Westminster College, which that was a private university that I auditioned mm -hmm. for, and it came down to USU and Westminster. But Westminster oh, wow. just seemed pretty, like, I don't, it just didn't seem like the right vibe. It seemed a little too cold, and mm -hmm. I wasn't really interested in doing musical theater. And it was the thing of, like, they gave me a $60,000 scholarship, but it still would have been like $100,000 for tuition per year. At Per year, okay. At, West, at Westminster. And yeah. I'm like, that is, that is not worth it. Mm -hmm. Nope. <laughs> like, I need to look at the potential return here, and that is not worth it. Because um, that's super interesting. Because with my, you know, when I was in high school and I had pretty much decided I wasn't going to study theater. Like, you know, maybe if I went to school, I would audition for some plays, be involved if I could. But that wasn't my priority at that time. I honestly think that's a good way to do it. Because the problem that I found when it was probably junior year of college, mm -hmm. where I, yeah, it was sophomore year where I gave myself, I gave myself a one year decision because I was finding that I was really unhappy because mm -hmm. it was just, uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over every day. And you'd wake up at like 6 a.m. and then you'd get out at midnight and then mm -hmm. you have to go home and do schoolwork. And mm -hmm. it was just this tough thing of um, you had to audition for every single show. If you got cast mm -hmm. in that show, you couldn't say, hey, I actually have a really bad workload this semester. Can I just not do it? You had to take wow. the role. Wow. You had to do it. And, uh, like, really the breaking point where I realized that I was getting really depressed with it was, uh, it was fucking Twelfth Night. 
William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, which you know how much I love Shakespeare. And I, think I know this you might, love Shakespeare. This might play a role into why I hate him even more. It's because it was for Twelfth Night, and I was like, I'm very like, there's just too much going on. Uh, I'm I'm in a math class that I don't know how to do this math, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't do my work. And I was on. It was they they had the auditions. I threw the auditions. I did horribly because I didn't want to mm-hmm. be in Twelfth Night, and uh, and I I they did the they put the cast list up, and I I didn't get cast, and I was like, thank God, now I can yeah. do schoolwork. Which I mean, that's a problem in and of itself. That I said, thank mm-hmm. God, I don't need to act or do yeah. theater. Like that was a pretty big indicator. But then I was on vacation, winter break, with um, my ex girlfriend, and. I was like, I finally can just relax for like a week and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And it had been like mm-hmm. three weeks since they posted the cast list for Twelfth Night. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm safe. Yeah. And then I get a phone call on the first day that we're in Tahoe. And it's dun, the director. Dun, dun. It's the director who says, hey, buddy. Uh, so. Hey, pal. So we had somebody who just left the program. And uh, I need you to step in to play uh, Valentine. <laughs> Valentine. The valet. Mm-hmm. And I had to say yes. It was like, it was like, would you do it? But it's like, I don't really have a choice here. And so yeah. it was like, it was like a throwaway role. I had two lines and Twelfth Night is a three hour play. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to rehearsal every night. <gasps> Even like when I want to do stuff. And I'm like, I need to go home and do schoolwork. Yeah. And my, my parents drove up. From my hometown, which is like a five-hour drive, and I told them you you shouldn't do this. Like I'm really not on stage that much, and they mm-hmm. drove. They were like, no, 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 we want to see you. So they drove all the way there, went to mm-hmm. the wrong theater, <laughs> <laughs> came came to the right theater, walked in right as I said my last line, and walked off stage. <laughs> oh my god! Then they had to wait three hours for me to come on and go hark. And that was it. (laughs) Wow. And that's why I hate Shakespeare. (laughs) I mean, you had a traumatic experience involving Shakespeare, so I get it. It's it's enough to turn you off from it. We'll talk about Shakespeare. Today today was a toss up between talking about Shakespeare education, so I'm gonna try and keep us focused. Yeah, we'll stay on we'll stay on the education thing. We'll stay on the education thing. But I mean, there's you know, I have very mixed feelings about going to school for Mm -hmm. theater Mm -hmm. because there are some days where I just regret it immensely and I'm like you spent all of this money that you could have just put towards like going out and actually doing the thing Mm -hmm. like you could have just you could have like you could have just put that towards headshots or doing acting classes or things like that but then there are other moments where I'm like I don't like if I hadn't have gone to school I wouldn't have met the people that I did I wouldn't have questioned acting the way that I did, and I don't think I would have found the right path to loving theater again if I had left. And the YouTube channel wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to school for Mm -hmm. it. It's interesting because your story was kind of loved theater, hated it during school, went back to loving it, It right? Because, yeah, because I gave myself that year because I was just so, like, miserable and... Like, that was probably, like, the darkest 
that my depression had gotten was in mm-hmm. school. And I like the first thing that I do is I just look around at the circumstances that I'm in. And I'm like, what is the one thing that is just really, really bumming you out? Mm-hmm. And it was and sadly, it was theater. And it was just the idea of I think I had been pigeonholed into having to do theater my whole life right. that I just wanted to expand and try different things. And so I gave myself that year of saying, OK, maybe maybe things will change in a year because that that program is really good at like like I went into it and a lot of people, especially if you come out of high school where it's a small theater program and you're like top dog, you mm-hmm. know, as soon as you're in that position where you're not like you're going to come in and you're going to look like a total asshole. And I mm-hmm. admit I came in and I was like a total asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I believe and it. <laughs> total asshole. I remember, like, this is this has gone down as lore at Utah State because Leslie still brings up this story because um, we were in class and this was like after the whole you know verbal abuse thing. Um, <laughs> no, no biggie. But, but uh, she just like that's a story, maybe for later. We'll see if I tell it. Um, but there was a moment where like we were in class and we just weren't having a breakthrough on this monologue that we were doing. And Leslie said, you know what I think the problem is? I think the problem is, is that you don't believe a goddamn thing I'm teaching you. And I looked her in the face and I said, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the whole class was like, (gasps) and like, everyone's like, oh shit. (laughs) And she's like, huh, well now we're going to get somewhere. And so she'll still like, so after I had, I eventually left the program after that year and Mm -hmm. I would still have people like coming in and they're like, yeah, she told our class uh, because there was someone in class who wasn't doing something and he was like kissing Leslie's ass. And Leslie was like, you know, I wish you just had the balls to tell me you don't believe what I'm teaching you like Brendan did. (laughs) Stuff like that. See, Ben, you only like were able to say that because you were kind of at a breaking point where you knew even if that wrecked you, it it wouldn't really matter because you had kind of already moved on. Well, it's the thing of, like, just shoot people straight. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Don't say something behind someone's back that you won't say to their face. That's the that's what I live by. I mean, in theater especially, you work very long hours. You spend a lot of time in the same small rooms with the same people. I think if you're not able to be honest about your emotions, it's very challenging. Right. It's just um, hard because it's, like, where do you, like, there's that line of, you know, like, leave your feelings at the door. Mm-hmm. This is professional. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing of like, that's for a professional theater company and right. a professional theater company is not the same as education. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, <laughs> going back to me, my situation was that I worked a lot of full-time jobs, you know, for almost five years, sat in a lot of offices and I found a lot of joy and parts of it until I realized I really, really, really didn't. Um, And I volunteered at a local, very small community theater to stage manage a show. And I realized I definitely hated stage managing because the the skills that I learned in theater, like my stage manager AD skills that I learned of like wrangling a lot of people together, keeping a million different things organized and like being in charge of all of those moving parts and trying to keep a cool call to me. Cool, calm demeanor. Demeanor. Demeanor, like the demeanor. Yeah. Demeanor, like uh, the the Greek goddess. Yeah. Um, that's canon. <laughs> it's way the <Louise> canon. <laughs> um, 
all of the skills that I learned in theater helped me immensely in my day jobs. Just being able to manage my own workload and other people became a lot easier because of theater, which I appreciated. So then going back to theater and stage managing, I was like, oh, no, I hate this. Because for a while it was like, okay, I'm at the office every day for nine hours and then I go to the theater at night for five hours and on the weekend and I'm doing the same thing over it's a big and over workload. again. The theater is a yeah. big thankless workload. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Big thankless workload. And I realized I wanted to be involved in theater again, but I wanted to act, which was very new for me. Um, what made you the, realize that? When did you have that breakthrough? That's a really interesting question. Um, I'm a big nerd. Uh, I, I go to nerd conventions when it's not COVID. Like, um, San Diego Comic-Con is such a delightful event for any nerdy person that doesn't mind being around a lot of people because, like, just the energy of all of the people around you um, is, like, intoxicating. People always ask me, oh, what do you go to Comic-Con for? And I'm like, oh, I go to panels. I do this. I do that. I don't really care about the celebrities. I just, like... You sit in line for 10 hours with people and you make friends. Like, that's what I love about it. <clears throat> well, we just had some really weird audio issues. The long and short of it is that every year at San Diego Comic-Con, I go to this voice acting panel. Um, it's really fun. Mark Evanier puts it on, but basically he gives a script to a bunch of voice actors and he assigns them characters and then they read through the script. It's such a fun time. <laughs> And right. every year on Sunday, he hosts a different act, um, a different panel about the business of voice acting because it's a very, very predatory business, and he wants to give people real advice for free. Uh, Mark Evanier is a delightful person. Um, it's wonderful that he puts that on every year. And I went to that panel every year for like five years, and I'm like, oh, maybe this is something you're interested, in, but I always kind of ignored it. And then I realized it's something that was really truly speaking to me and I started going like with questions and taking notes and D Bradley Baker who is a legendary voice actor he among a million other things voices all of the clones in Star Wars the Clone Wars so he's literally oh wow he's literally the bad batch it's just really funny at the end of the bad batch and it says and the bad batch voiced by D Bradley Baker um he makes, like, he does a lot of background voices. He makes animal noises a lot. Like, he was up on Momo in Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, people who know, know. Dee Bradley Baker is an absolute fucking legend. <laughs> um, and he has this really great website. You, dear listener, if you're interested, it's called so you want to be a voice actor.com. 
Either that or you want to be a voice actor.com where he just gives advice and things on how to build a cheap studio and find auditions and all of this other stuff. And the basic advice to any voice actor is that you need real acting experience if you want to be good at what you're doing. And so it was me diving really deep into those panels at Comic-Con and his website and trying to get better at just being good with my voice that I started trying to do theater acting again. Um, and I took some classes, UCSD here in San Diego, they have like a UCSD extension, which I used to take for like business related classes. And then I realized that they taught acting classes. And so I took all of their acting classes. Um, I got good feedback in them. I was taking it super seriously. And then I was done with all of their acting classes and looking for auditions and things because I realized I was really enjoying it. Um, and then I realized the only way for me to pursue it in the way that I wanted to was if I decided to go back to school. So me realizing that I wanted to act took a really long time. I think if I look back on it, it's something I was always interested in. I just never let myself think that I could be interested in it because I was very good at all of the other stuff, right? Right. I was like naturally very, very good at all of the behind the scenes stuff. So I thought it's what I should do. I thought it's what I needed to do. But I think it's about finding... Not only things that you're good at, but things that bring you joy. So if I could ever make right. money as an actor, that would be um, a delightful turn of events. <laughs> um, right. Because now I'm just trying to do whatever I can to not ever have to work in an office again. Right. And I think that's a good motivating force. It's It, it, it just ties into that classic thought of um, it's film makes you famous, TV makes you rich, Theater makes you good. And that was like, and it's, I, we've talked about this a little bit, I think already. Right. But I have such a love for film and TV, but I chose specifically to study theater because as a discipline, mm -hmm. it is, um, it's so much fucking work, but you just, yeah, in all aspects, you become such a more well-rounded professional and artist if you have a good right. theater background. And so I knew I would obviously be going to community college to knock my first two years of school out of the way before I transferred to university. And what just happened with me, right? Right now it's June 2021. Um, I was supposed to be transferring to university this year. Um, but in America, to transfer from community college to university, you need a certain number of transferable units. It's slightly different depending on which universities you're applying to. And obviously... The theater programs that you're applying to in different schools have different requirements. You don't necessarily have to have all the requirements done ahead of time, but it's nice and it's cheap if you can get them done ahead of time. Because of COVID, theater classes were canceled all across the board, so I took as many as I possibly could. Um, but I was something like four to six units shy of what I needed to transfer to university, so I didn't get accepted, and I'm back in community college for a whole year. <laughs> Which was a really big bummer when I found out a couple months ago. And now I am happier about it only because it's given me a different way to approach how I want to go to university. Because I have a lot of respect for the, day, the way that you did it. And like right now I'm looking down the barrel of getting my bachelor's degree when I'm 27 or 28 years old, which I know everybody's like, oh, it doesn't matter, blah, 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 this, that. But like in the moment to me, like it matters. 
and I right. feel silly and I feel like I'm so behind. And I know that obviously I'm not behind because I couldn't have gotten on this path without the past that I had. But it's hard. Exactly. With other people who like were done, done when they were 22. The, right. The benefit of me doing it later in life is that I know for sure it's what I want to be studying, which is <laughs> a huge barrier to overcome and to anybody listening who is maybe entering the university process or not sure I think I think having to decide what you want to study right after high school is the stupidest fucking thing in the entire world to put that much pressure on teenagers who are exiting four of probably the most stressful years of their life and you're telling them to jump right into four more very, very stressful years at the very yeah. least. It's like, pick a subject that's going to define your entire life. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think the important thing to remember is that, like, whether you get to decide to get the degree or not, either way, you're going to be, like, 28. <laughs> Do you want to be 28 with the degree or without it? Like, either way, you're still going to be 28. Well, and I think, <laughs> exactly. And I think what you were sort of saying earlier that you kind of wish maybe you had spent the time instead of going to school on taking acting classes or actually getting experience. What's nice for me, because I just now didn't get into university, I was hyper, hyper obsessed on getting into like a very top tier university. And I was planning, I'm a person who has done everything in my power to not go into debt my entire life. And I was like, whatever, I'll just go into a cool, easy, like tens of thousands of dollars of debt for my education at a fancy university because it's worth it. And what's really nice being rejected is that I've realized it's not, at least it's not for me. I've gotten a lot out of my community college education, uh, studying theater, It's nice because I have a very close relationship with all of my professors because there aren't that many theater students at the community college level. So most Mm -hmm. of you get to know each other. You get to know the people you're taking classes with and the people who are teaching you. And getting that intimate experience with my professors has been delightful. And I very much realized that no matter where I go to school to study theater, I'm going to get the absolute most of it. So my focus right right now is much more on, okay, do I want to move? If I want to move out of California, school is a great excuse for me to move, but also just go wherever will put you the least in debt because you want to learn and you're going to be able to learn no matter where you go. Like I was looking at one of the bigger universities here in San Diego and they also do um, a doctorate and a master's program. And so Looking at big universities like that, kind of what I'm looking at now that I'm looking at new schools to apply to for this second round of applications for me. <laughs> Dear God, if I don't transfer next year, I I will just quit. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's the mindset. <laughs> um, the thing that I'm now considering with big universities, and this is something that nobody talked to me about before my most recent round of applications, and I definitely never thought about in high school, is that... Universities with master's and doctorate programs, um, professors will be focused on their research, unfortunately. Not all of them, but Mm -hmm. some of them will. And most of those resources are going to be allocated to master's students because they're the ones who get way more acting opportunities, directing opportunities. And, I mean, fair, they're there for their master's and they're paying a lot of money. They do deserve to get more opportunity. 
But you go mm-hmm. into it as a starry-eyed, you know, freshman or junior, think you're, you're thinking you're going to get this very robust theater education at a fancy university when really, if you're doing it to act, all those acting opportunities are being given to the older students and the ones who are there for their masters. Right. So that's something that I'm looking at because I'm thinking maybe that's what I don't want. If this was me right after like you know january last year when i quit my job to go back to school and study theater to be an actor i think an acting conservatory sort of like what you did would have very much Mm -hmm. appealed to me and now at least me personally i'm a lot less interested in that that i want to get as much acting experience as i can but i also just want a very robust theater education i don't want to be pigeonholed into having one skill And I really, like, I like the academia of it, right? That's how you and I got to know each other because we do this really weird YouTube thing. Like, I think theater is more interesting than just the acting that I could do in it. Right. So, And I think that that, I think that that's something important to look for in programs, too, is are there, like, do they offer classes in theater history? mm -hmm. Do they offer, like, playwright analysis? Mm -hmm. Do they have you actually getting into the scene shop? To make you more well-rounded. Yeah. But how do you feel about, like, actual classes on top of it, too? Like, I think that that was one of the best things from USU, especially after leaving the acting program. Mm -hmm. But still having that theater degree, like, just changing focus to where I had more freedom, Mm -hmm. is that then I was able to explore more and take more advantage of that. Like, I took a great physicist class. Cool. Cool. (laughs) It was one of my favorite (laughs) classes. I I wrote a... It was an eight... So, so Gabby, when you're editing pages, just know this has always been a problem when you're editing papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the professor for this class gave us an eight-page minimum for the final paper, mm-hmm. and I wrote it on Einstein and if he was really a great scientist or if he's just overhyped from uh, like pop culture. Like, if he's just is he a great is he a great scientist or a great celebrity? Yeah. And it was eight-page minimum. Came out to thirty pages. Uh- <laughs> you are unreasonable. Anyone so, listening, yeah. never do that to your professors. Never, never, never do I got, that. I got, a, I got a perfect score on it, probably because they didn't read probably it. Probably because they didn't read it. That's accurate. <laughs> right. That is very accurate. <laughs> That's absolutely it. But I think just having those options to expand your horizons, and it's like you said, not be pigeonholed, mm-hmm. is a really important thing. And I think, if anything can be learned from both of our paths, is that you need to be able to walk away Mm-hmm. from theater mm-hmm. and just question everything yep and if if you really love it you're gonna find your way back exactly because i definitely i definitely found my way back because i needed to and i know it's that cliche of like i work in the arts because i couldn't do anything else but like believe me i tried Believe me, I tried a million different industries and I tried convincing myself that I was happy and I tried to live this very particular life that I thought I was supposed to live and it did not bring me joy. Oh, how I wish that working like a regular 40 hour a week, nine to five job gave me joy so I could just spend, you know, my nights and weekends doing the things that I love. Oh, how I wish that was the case for me. Life would be so much easier, Uh, but it's just not. I very much made my way back here because it was what I needed to be doing. And I really hate when people ask me, what are you going to do with your theater degree? Because I'm like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but I, I... You can do a lot. You can do a lot with a theater degree. And that's the thing. You can do a lot with a theater degree. And I, the amount of things that I am learning 
uh, that I've already been able to apply to my life and potential job opportunities mm-hmm. is um, is truly a lot. I think really with any degree, it is very much what you make of it. And I, yeah. I am figuring out what I want to make of it, but I've never been so sure about something as I am with the fact that I, right. I am definitely studying the right thing, even though by every right. objectable means, right, they say, I mean, even you said it, getting a theater degree <laughs> can be a, seen as a mistake. I know that for me it's not, but that still doesn't mm-hmm. mean necessarily I know that it's not the best option for everybody. It, I see it more as like, was it a mistake just because of what it did to my mental health? Well, not because it was like the degree is useless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just that uh it certainly builds character but well, i think that there's just there's there's something weird with like just the way that professors can approach theater and teaching and what students are willing to take because they think oh it's helping me it's going to help me in the long run mm-hmm. when really it's like ah i don't know if that really is i think that's going to do more damage <laughs> that you're going to have to be coping with in therapy for the next 3 years right and then venting about on a podcast Well, and I think, like, this is definitely a bigger conversation, but there is so much abuse in theater. There's so much abuse in so many industries. Uh, The Mm -hmm. arts are, of course, infamous for their abuse to people who think that you have to be put through a certain type of rigor in order to make it. And I do not think that that's the case. And I do not think that being mean and unkind to others is the way forward by any possible fucking stretch and i know that that's a lot of what your schooling was and that's something that i am trying to avoid but that it's also scary you know i don't know you can only learn so much about the reputations of schools online before you transfer and find out oh shit maybe all the professors here are really really fucking mean because if that was the case i would quit Mm. right and i don't want to make it out like every professor at my school was like just hateful Mm -hmm. because i i know that's not the thing and that's the reason that i can't be too angry is because i know i know that they had the best intentions for their students like looking back on it that's just Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's gaslighting or what um (laughs) but for some reason that's just I, i can see where they were coming from where they want to they really want to break you down get you down to a level where you're like willing to listen. Mm-hmm. But the problem that I just found is that then they, especially in that one year gap, I was like, are they going to start building us back up? And I don't think they really did. Uh, it's, it's the thing of, do I want to sit, come into class every day and uh, sit in a circle and have them call some students fat and some students way too skinny? Jesus. Uh, do I want to, do I want to sit around saying you're never going to be a lead actor? Like you're going to be the, the witty sidekick mm-hmm. or you're heavy set. So you're going to be a character actor mm-hmm. like, <laughs> or, or the thing of like, I had an uncle who passed away and, uh, I, I, I messaged my professor and said, hey, I'm not going to be in a really good mood today. I'm going to be a little out of it. And he said, okay, that's fine. That's whatever. And I went into class and then he just like kept berating me about like, why is it you're heading it today? Like, leave your personal stuff at the door. Jesus. I'm like, my uncle just fucking died, dude. Like, I'm sorry I'm not like hitting all the marks in this fake stage combat fight. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. And then that transferred over into a show I was doing where I was like, hey, I'd really like to go home for the funeral. It'll just be a day. 
we're three weeks away from tech. You, I'm, there's a lot of scenes you can do without me here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to let you go, but we'd really like for you to stay here. And like just that guilt of like we like the team really needs you, right? I mean, and I and I didn't go. I didn't go to the funeral because I was like, I owe I owe something here. And so then, like, I didn't get to say goodbye to my uncle because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, like it's gonna reflect badly on me if I don't make this sacrifice. Which what a fucked up way of thinking. And it's hard that that's like really the standard. I mean, even in my fucking community college theater, it's like. When auditions were posted for our musical that we had right before COVID hit, like, there was no, on the audition notice, there was no callback date, and there was no, like, breakdown of what rehearsals were going to be like. So it was just like, oh, callbacks are tomorrow. If you have a job, fuck you. You have to drop everything. And if you can't make it to rehearsals all four days of the week, you get no part. So too fucking bad for you. Like, I hate that that's the standard. It's like, this has to be the number one important thing in the world for you. And like, I'm a community college student who has to work to not only pay my bills, but also to pay for education and trying to pay for all of those things is really fucking challenging. I had to do, I had to work at a fish cannery in Alaska for two summers to pay my way through, like to be able to afford without living, uh, without having a job in school. Mm -hmm. And I like carpal tunnel just kicked in last week as remnants from that job that Last time I went was five years ago, and my body is still, like, damaged from it. Damn. Just because that's what we had to do. hmm And uh, there, there's part of, I know, and it sucks, because I know that it's it's what's expected. hmm And, I mean, I think I would have been okay with not going to the funeral if it was just like, hey, we're, like, two weeks out from tech. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to stay. Because mm-hmm. that's, like, that's crunch time, and I do, like, I do need that. But, like, me leaving on a Friday when we're like four weeks away from yeah. tech, I think like meet me halfway, man. Like it's my uncle. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, and I think that's there's dark sides, right? Like we were talking about of this industry and and all industries, and it's it's. I think facing those things, particularly when you're young, right? Because you were, you went to college right out of high school. You were right. young. You thought this is what you needed to do. It's hard because these the predatory systems and the predatory people um, can really, really get to you and really fuck up, fuck you up and really take you out of the right. art. And so many people who right. grew up in theater are just emotionally fucked up because you have to do you have to jump through all of these emotional hoops to like do a scene or do a play. And there's very rarely time to reflect on how you're actually feeling like did this trigger you in any way? Is everybody all right? Because it's, that's, that's something that doesn't seem to exist. That hasn't historically been a part of theater. And it seems to be that they're making that change going forward, but it's, it's unfortunate that for so many decades, theater education has just been too bad you'd better fucking deal with it which right but i mean like if i'm like taking like a class by sanford meisner sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like just like like a small university class in the middle of utah like in logan utah is not gonna like make or break me exactly and i think it's i think it's an interesting thing too of you can be more willing to make those sacrifices in a professional setting. Like if you're under contract, Mm -hmm. if you're getting paid at least something Mm -hmm. like sure, like that, I think that that is you're held to a higher standard if you're under contract and doing actual professional work. But if you're like in a school 
where you're being told you have to undertake this responsibility and you have to accept this part. Like, and I'm paying to be there. And you're paying to be there. And also you have other classes on top of your commitment. to theater. Right. And I think that that's a problem that a lot of theater programs fall into is they, they don't run their program like a school. They try to run it like an actual theater, mm-hmm. which is not possible, especially when you're juggling fucking five other classes. Right. <laughs> and trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like sleep and have friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, it's killing me. Like which, if I if yeah. I'm being I mean, if I'm being super honest about my life since I went back to school, like it's when COVID hit, I lost my job and it was almost a godsend because I which is a horrible thing to say because um, I was still able to pay my bills thanks to unemployment. Thank you, government systems for actually helping people in need. It's really cool when they do that. Because of unemployment, when I lost my job, I didn't need to get another one. And just being a student for about 10 weeks was such a fucking dream. I was still really stressed out, but life was just so much easier now that it's been a year just about back of being at work as many hours as possible, working from home and trying to do any kind of other side project or enjoy my life and also do school has been absolute hell. Um... And that is the reality for so many students. And because a theater program is is so demanding, um, it's scary and intimidating and worrisome. And, oh, no, I'm like, you want to quit. I'm like, I don't want to quit. I'm, I'm happy that I'm studying this, but I am trying really hard now to find a program that works for me, understanding that I will have to continue working throughout my college education and forever and that something predatory like that or as demanding as yours just wouldn't be the right option for me. Like, I know an acting conservatory just would not. Right. There's no way. That could never fit my schedule because I have other things that right. I need to do. And I'm also trying really hard to just get experience outside right. of school, which is something I would have never thought of if I was doing it right out of high school, right? I wouldn't have been looking at community or regional theater auditions just to make my... Um, resume or whatever more robust whereas that's also really my focus is that I'm going to a school where I don't have to I'm not like contracted sort of like you were I mean you weren't but right kind of yeah that I'm not academic probation was yeah. always held over our heads that's ridiculous yeah. but see and I want I yeah. want to go somewhere where I can get experience in the actual real world as well because I think that will make right. me a more well-rounded actor it makes you more yeah, ex- exactly mm-hmm. if you yeah if you have more life experiences it's like my mom always said growing up and I never really believed her because all I would read were acting books and she's like you need to like read other things yeah because <laughs> you need to be able to actually relate to the human experience, which is the big thing. Well, and that's funny to hear from you, right? Since our experiences were so different going into theater and school that it's like, I, when I talk to other students, sometimes I'm just very grateful for the life experience that I have under my belt Mm -hmm. already going into this, going into this with that makes my whole experience just way, way different. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we'll continue this conversation. I'm still, I'm in the process now of starting research to look for universities that I want to transfer to. I mean, I'll apply to all the local ones in San Diego. I'll maybe move. I think the main, I think the main thing is just look for a program that offers you creative freedom. Yeah. Because after I switched over just to regular theater, like just a regular theater degree, 
I was able to take, uh, I was able to like stage my own shows. Mm -hmm. I was able to actually get a job. I was able to have friends again mm -hmm. because the workload was just a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I had that freedom to go and do different things. I took a contemporary theater class where uh, we, we had to give reports at the beginning of every class. Whoa. And I was like, and I was like, wow. Uh, like every week, like every class each week, and we alternated. And every time when researching the shows and writing this little paper, I was like, this is pretty cool, but why are we only really talking about the good shows? Why have we <laughs> only been talking about the good shows? I want to write a paper about the bad shows. And then that spawned into a YouTube channel. And now here we are. And now here we are doing this podcast. It's, it's that. It's about... Getting what you can out of your education, like finding finding what you want to get out of it as opposed to what the school or what the program demands out of you, right. I think, is, is the much, that's, much more gratifying That's thing. a good point. You will get out of your education what you put into it mm -hmm. and what you decide you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, don't just sit back if... Because I know that's a big thing in schools is people saying, like, people get out and they say, well, I didn't have any opportunities. Like, they didn't give me any opportunities, mm -hmm. which is a very... Like it's a it's it's real because they're yeah. always gonna theater is always gonna go towards the people who are like six foot two, like <laughs> just perfect jawline, whatever. For me, it's the uh, for me it's the skinny sopranos. That's exactly <laughs> right. Like those like that's a sad reality. But the thing is, is like don't just feel like you're being beholden by people who aren't giving opportunities. If people aren't giving you opportunities, just say fuck you. I know I'm worth something. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make. I'm going to do my own show. Exactly. <laughs> or I'm going to make my own opportunities. Find find your opportunity elsewhere because there is there is a lot. And I mean, right. I know I'm coming from a place of, of privilege living in the city that I do because there is a lot of local theater and that's not the case everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, there is opportunity outside of school. So if it's like I'm going to go into all of these hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to go to this very particular conservatory or small private university, but you're not going to actually be given the acting experience. I would rather go. Right. I would rather go somewhere else where there's more right. opportunities. Like like one of the universities in town, they have something like 13 theater clubs, and all of them put on wow. shows. Like <laughs> great. The big ones put on the biggest That's, shows, yeah. right? And the classes put on the ones in the giant theaters. But it's also like there's opportunity no. there because experience, especially with acting, is really just what you need. So. Exactly. Get it where you can. But there, there is opportunity out there. And if your school isn't giving it to you, um, go to yeah. a different school or find it. Find it in the city. It really helps if you go to a school that's connected to a professional theater, mm -hmm. too. Like, I know Utah State, they were connected to a Lyric Repertory Company, which I need to go back and check. I think it might have just become an equity house, okay. which is huge. So, that's, so that means that you can get, they cast a lot of people from the program in that. Even it's just apprentices, but that's because that's uh, that's another great place to get legitimate experience for the resume. Mm -hmm. It's all for the resume. It's all for the and resume. connections and the connections. Resume and connections. Those are the biggest things. Mm -hmm. It's just talk to everybody. Be more uh, be more interested than interesting. That's uh, that's some uh, advice for networking. <laughs> That was fun. I'm sitting here finding I have so much more I want to say about school, but I think that was a good base. I know with my own experience in looking for university, you and I talking about this originally a couple months ago helped me a lot. So I want to 
I want to share that with more people because the process of, I mean, we didn't even like scratch the surface on the college audition process oh, yeah. and all of those other things, but we can go more into that. Yeah. I still remember every detail of the day. Oh, that's great. Um. See, cause I'm still, <laughs> yeah. and like, cause in that regard, I'm still just like, I feel like a small little child. I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to audition for school. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, cause that's super terrifying. Um, but I think that just was, don't apologize. Just don't apologize before you audition. You'll be fine. Oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> also, the most respect I've ever gotten auditions has been when I've started and I've said, you know what? I'm going to start over. And then I start over. And then you just do better the second time. <laughs> yep. There's our two tiny little yep. bits of advice. There you go. Hopefully, uh, it, uh, did this make things more confusing for the <laughs> listeners? Did it make things less less confusing? Who knows? Who knows? Do you need a, do you need a theater degree? Who knows? I mean, um, not really. to, to round uh, out today's podcast for our little spotlight on regional theater segment, we should come up with a better name for this segment. <laughs> Today, I wanted to, of course, highlight the La Jolla Playhouse. I knew I wanted to talk about the Playhouse because it feels like my home theater since I was involved with the theater for so long. But it also is a real powerhouse of theater in the United States. So LJP, as we refer to it. Um, they like to brand themselves right now as where artists and audiences come together to create what's new and next in American theater. The theater was founded in 1947 by Gregory Peck, Dorothy McGuire, and Mel Ferrer. If you don't know those names, they were like big Hollywood showboats uh, of the time. In La Jolla, California, which is near the beach, it was dark for about 20 or 30 years, and then they rebuilt it on the UCSD campus, which is where it still lies. Uh, big director Des McAnuff was the artistic director for decades, and it's now under the helm of Christopher Ashley. The La Jolla Playhouse has sent 33 shows to Broadway, including, but not limited to, The Who's Tommy, Big River, Jersey Boys, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Come From Away, and oh, so, so, so many more. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention mention Hunchback. Oh, well, I was, Hunchback is next on my list. Oh, wow, okay. Hunchback. I jumped ahead. Hunchback, the musical, originated at the Playhouse. They produced it, uh, I want to say they produced it with the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey, Theaters do that a lot, that they will just, like, double produce it so they can split the cost. But all of the, like, technical direction and actual set building and things did happen at the Playhouse. So I just wanted to highlight that. (laughs) Um, But, of course, Hunchback never ended up on Broadway, which was just a real bummer. Um, But I was at the Playhouse during Come From Away and during Hunchback. So, like, I'm so attached to those shows. There was also one of the nights I was, like, working the stupid little gift shop in the lobby for Hunchback and the people next to me were just having a conversation. They're like, oh, we're going to go to this restaurant for dinner after the show. Yeah, we go there all the time. There's this brewery everybody goes to after the show. And they were trying to find directions and I turned around and I was like, oh, it's just, it's three lights and then make a right and you'll see it. And the guy was like, oh, cool, thank you. And I was like, oh yeah, no problem. And then he turned around and then I turned around and then I was like, that was Alan Menken. <laughs> <laughs> cool super 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 cool and like uh patrick page was always just walking around the campus and it was just so strange (laughs) 
He's a, he has a presence, that man. So anyways, I talk about the Playhouse all the time. I haven't worked or volunteered there in like four or like five or six years. So I'm very disconnected from them now. I by no means represent them in any way, shape or form. But they're a theater I'm obviously very connected to because they're in San Diego. They have a big effect on Broadway. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Yep. La Jolla is huge. La Jolla is a very big. La Jolla is a very, very big destination. I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to have been able to be involved with a theater. So such a behemoth of a theater. Um, Yeah. That was, as we said, that was our conversation on education. Don't know if we made it more confusing, less confusing. What are your thoughts on theater education? Tweet us at Too Much Expo. Expo? Yeah, Too Much Expo (laughs) with the number two. With the number two at Too Much Expo on Twitter. Let us know um, what your questions are also on education. Because we will be talking about this again because it's such a such a meaty topic. I don't know when we'll return to it. But if you have specific questions that you would like us to address, let us know. And we'll get to it. And we'll and we might read them on the air. We might read them on the air. Oh, should we sell people to leave iTunes reviews? How do are we podcasters now? Is that? Oh, we could do that. I was gonna say, leave your phone number, and you may be able to win Elton John tickets, <laughs> like a uh, like a radio DJ would. No. I don't have Elton John tickets. I've been thinking about it. He's coming back to Philly. Ah, oh, God, I missed him in Utah. So it's like a second chance to see Elton. Anyway, um, thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. This is the part where we awkwardly say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.